You may be seated. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> if you'll turn in your Bibles with me uh, to 1 Peter, you're going to need those today because we'll be reading scriptures and we don't have a screen up here, so uh, you'll just have to follow along with us as uh, we look at the scriptures. And we, uh, we're, we're in a transition in the uh, season of the church as we move from uh, Easter into this time of Pentecost. And as uh, our sister Susan was saying, it's a, it's a time of, uh, of transition as we are expecting great things from God. And this has been historical for the church. Even before there was a church, in the Jewish calendar, this time this is 50 days uh, after this great Sabbath day, the, after this Passover, was a time in which they expected the Spirit of God to show up and to do some things in their lives. And so we are, we are expecting God to do great things uh, as a church and for us individually. And so we're, we're going to keep our eyes open. And we're going to keep our ears open to what the Lord is doing uh, in us and through us. And we can expect that he's going to do great things. And so we'll uh, celebrate then in Pente at Pentecost and we'll have uh, a bigger than normal service uh, and eat a meal together and just recount how God has been good and faithful during this time. So I can't wait for that to happen. You begin to store up those things that God is doing. You write them down so that we can have a, a great time of fellowship and celebration of what God is doing. In 1 Peter, this is where we'll be for a little while now, uh, we're, we're, the, the, the theme of this, these messages is, uh, is a holy calling in hostile times. And in the writing of this, uh, Peter is writing to the church, and he's writing to the church in Asia. Let me read the first couple of verses here, and we'll, we'll get right into it. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ... To those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling with His blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. I like that part. May they be multiplied. Not just added like a bunch of it to you. So as Peter is writing this letter, he's writing to those who uh, are in, in Asia, so where modern-day Turkey is. There is a group of churches there that he's writing to. In many of the letters we see that, in the pastoral letters, we see a, a certain a, a letter that's written to a certain church, certain people, and it's answering problems there. But this is a letter, the circular letter, that's going all over the Roman province of where it is now Turkey. And so that letter would be passed on from church to church, and so they're receiving it, understanding that this is for us. This is for us in this area for what we're going through. And so what's happening in this time is very important. This letter is written probably around 62, and in 64, we will have a very momentous event where there's the burning of Rome. And you uh, may have heard of this, where, where Nero... It is understood to have actually set the fire in Rome. And then after setting the fire with the hopes of building the place back up and, and, have, and have, uh, creating a new palace for himself, 
He blames the Christians. And, and what we know happens right after this, there's a great persecution of Christians. And that persecution even looks like stringing up Christians through the, through the, the town and lighting them on fire to light the city. And so that's happening a couple of, in 64, this is probably written in 62. So there is, there is something happening. There is a current that's going through this part of the world where there is an understanding that there is a, a suspicion among Christ, about Christians and that they are seen as different from the rest of the world. And so as Peter is writing this, we'll find a, a couple chapters later, he starts making reference to this, that there is a, a certain kind of persecution. There's an attitude that the world has about us as the people of God. That there's a separation, there's a distinction, and it's going to get bad. It's already bad, and it's going to get worse. And in fact, in 64 is when we understand that Peter was killed during this time of Nero's persecution of the Christians. So, you know, Peter's writing this a year and a half or two years before his own death that, that uh, epitomizes what he's telling us in this story, he's, in, in this letter. He's, he's saying things are about to get bad, and within two years he's going to be dead because things are really bad. And so this is, this is the, the cloud in which the people of God are living. And so Peter is speaking to them, knowing that this is the experience that they're having, that they are, they are in persecution. He has a sense that the persecution is going to get worse. He knows the common struggles and, and troubles that we have in life. And so he writes this letter as an encouragement. And just as it's encouragement 2,000 years ago, it's going to be encouragement to us today. There is a sense, I think, among many of us that the things are not going right, right? <laughs> As you, you look around the world, there is certain kind of pressures that didn't exist maybe five years ago. And you wonder, what, are we leading some, in some direction? And so I believe that this, the Word of God today speaks to us as a beacon and says, come this direction. This is how we follow Christ in all kinds of situations. Where there's hostile environments, this is a holy calling. This is the way to, we are to live our lives. So he begins and he, and he says, to those who are elect exiles. Elect exiles. They are the dispersion. Now, for our, our great Bible scholars, those are not uh, unusual words. You've heard about exiles and you've heard about the dispersion. But the dispersion was not, was not pointed towards Christians in the Bible. But before this, the dispersion, the exiles, were those who had to leave Israel. They had to leave Jerusalem and they were, they were cast out. They were, they were taken to different lands. They were taken to Babylonia and Assyria. And there they were exiles. They were God's people, but now they were without a homeland. And so this is the experience of the people of God. They know what it is to have a land that is to be their very own. A land that is promised. And, and for the, the people of God, the land was very important. It was the promises of God that you would have a land of your own. You would be a people of your own. And now the, the people who were to have a land have no land. They're, they're someplace else. They don't have a home anymore. And so what, what Peter is saying is, you are those people, Christians. 
You live in a world that is not your home. This is not your home. We are all exiles. This is not our home. And do you feel it? As you look around, you go, this, this isn't right. This doesn't seem to be peace. There isn't the, the spirit of God. People are not falling under that rule. This is not right. Amen. This is not your home. We are exiles. We are part of the dispersion. Those who are sent out. But it is beautiful how he says, you are the elect exiles. You are those who have been called on, chosen by God. You are chosen to be exiles. And you are chosen as the people of God. Not having a homeland, uh, not, not, having, not being in your homeland is disorienting. It means that we have to learn the rules of the place in which we are by still being the people who we are called to be. And so he's saying to these exiles, you are the elect exiles. God has chosen you. Although you feel distant and separated, things are, things are affecting you in such a way that you seem discombobulated. I love that word. That's my dad's word. You feel discombobulated. You're out of sorts. You can't bring it together. You, you, you feel that. And you look at other people and you say, you're just as discombobulated as I am, right? And you're a mess. And I'm a mess. But there's, there's got to be something more. And he's saying, there is something more. I have chosen you. You are my people. You shouldn't feel at home here. You should be longing for something that is even greater. You should be longing for something that's greater. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Listen, listen to this. He says, you know, although you are in this mess of a world, even you're in the mess of how you even interpret and how you live out this world. I want to tell you that you, have, you are the elect exiles according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling of blood. If you look in the book of Ephesians, whoop, pardon me, we'll need these. In the book of Ephesians, it begins the same way, where it talks about how your salvation is from God the Father. It was, it was foreknown and, it, and you were elected before the foundations of the world. God, is, God the Father is in on your salvation. God the Holy Spirit is here for your sanctification. God the Son has provided the way through the sprinkling of blood for your obedience. You see, God, the Trinity, is all in on your salvation. You are the elect exiles. So if you feel out of sorts, that's all right. But you need to know that you are his, bought and purchased with his son's blood, thought about before the foundations of the world. So keep persevering. My, uh, one of my favorite shows right now is a show called uh, Alone. Have you all seen this show? And in Alone, it's one of those like reality shows uh, and 
they take out 10 participants who are really good at survival techniques. In fact, there's captions that say, you know, don't try this at home. Like, you try this at home. But, so, you know, they're survivalists and they know how, they know how to live out in, in the woods and stuff. And so they take 10 of these people and they, they take them to a remote place where nobody lives. There's a reason nobody lives there. Because you can't survive out there. And so they take them to this, these remote places and they give them 10 items. And they use those items as best as they can and they see who can last the longest. And the, the last person standing wins $500,000. That's pretty good, yeah. And then if you're number two, you get nothing. I love that. I almost made it, still made nothing. So they're out there and they're last, you get to watch them. And they, have, they all have video cameras on them that they're carrying around. And there's no one out there to help them. They're all alone. And, and they have to find their own food, they have to make their shelter, they have to do all these things, they have to boil their water, all these things. And so as you're watching, you, you just got to get engrossed by watching the struggle. <laughs> you know, you're, you're sitting here eating popcorn, and you go, oh man, that's terrible, you know. <laughs> and when you go, you know, and it's always frigid temperature, like, you know, two, two degrees. And so you have to like turn up the, the, the AC in your house when you go to bed, you're like, oh, it just feels so cold. And so you get under the blankets and you're fine. But as you watch this struggle, you're constantly saying, how long can they make it? How, how, how long can they be without their friends and family? How long can they survive? And, uh, and they all, you, you see them, they're all just getting thinner and thinner and thinner. And it keeps posting how much weight they've lost. And this guy's lost 40 pounds, he's lost 20% of his body weight. And they're just like skin and bones, like they're not going to make it much longer. And so this, for you and me, as we oftentimes feel thinner, right? We have to ask the question, how much longer can we make it? How much longer can I survive like this? And the world is like that too. How are we, how are we going to survive not being at home? Yeah, I know there's a coming a day in which I get a new body and I'm looking forward to that. How do I survive today? Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last, last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. That word grieve, grieved is a heaviness. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through it, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you, though you do not know, you do not now see him, you will believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. God is speaking to the elected exiles. They were picked for homelessness. <laughs> yeah. 
We were picked, we were chosen for this path. That God has caused our salvation. He has caused us to be born again. People of God know this, that none of us were good, right? None of us were chosen because we were good. In fact, we were chosen because we were bad. <laughs> we were in need of a Savior, and He's come for you and me. And it isn't because of our righteousness that we'll stay right with God. It's not our righteousness that will, it will win His approval. It is Jesus Christ's righteousness. And He has chosen us to call to, and caused us to be born again to this living hope. He is, he is about this process of, of, of calling us to himself, of sanctifying. These, it, but in the midst of all of this, we have these heavy moments, these various trials. You have been grieved by various trials. So although we have these promises before us, in these moments we suffer these various trials. So how do we live with these heavy trials? Many of you have faced some pretty heavy trials even just this last year. Amen. I know many of your stories. And there has been a heaviness on you. And the Bible's telling us to rejoice in the midst of those. In 2 Corinthians 6.10 it says, so, he says, Paul says, I am sorrowful but ever rejoicing. And in the midst of the heaviness that you have felt over this last year, or the various physical trials you've had, or you've had spiritual trials, or your financial trials, as that heaviness has been on you, I want to give you freedom to, to say, it's been heavy. And, and I haven't always, in the midst of that heaviness, gone, thank you, Jesus. You know what? That's okay. That's what heaviness is. Heaviness doesn't mean that you have to walk around with a, a jump in your step. Some of you are not able, able to even jump anymore. Right? And so there is this heaviness that's on you, and it's okay to be faithful in the midst of the heaviness. Amen. And there is something that's happening in that heaviness that God is purifying you, and He's making you good as gold. I know in the midst of the heaviness that is of some comfort. But it's not the only comfort you need. There is a promise, too, that there is a living hope, a hope that has not died, a hope that will continue for all of eternity. And in the midst of your heaviness, know that your heaviness is not forever. It is, it is for a season. And in that season, continue to trust in our Lord, for that is your hope. That is your living hope. And there are many of you, I, I did a survey of, of some of our ladies and I asked, if you, who, can you, who would you like to hear from among the other ladies? And, and during the summer we'll have a time where we do some equipping of all of our folks for uh, uh, hermeneutics, which is a, a teaching of scripture. And so we'll have some Bible studies that start up. And so I was looking for like, who, who do you women want to hear? What other women do you want to hear from? And it was really interesting to hear the responses and why they chose certain people. They said, you know, I'd like to hear from this lady because I know what they just went through this last year. I know the struggle they've been through. I want to hear that kind of faith because it's golden. 
And, and it's not just golden for you, but it's golden for everyone else. To draw on that kind of faith. That's why the fellowship of the saints is so important. It's not just important for us to come on Sunday and see each other and eat delicious donuts. That's, that's great. But there's something of the fellowship of the saints that, that, that draws us to Christ as we see glimmers of the gold of faith that God has produced in you. We go, that's encouraging to me. I've seen my brother, I've seen my brother and my sister stand in the times of trouble. I've seen them rejoice even when everything around them seems so heavy. And I I draw from that strength. That's the people of God for you. That That is what he's doing in us to bring us closer to him. How he's growing up the body with Christ as the head. You know, as Jesus faced his trials and troubles. It seems like, you know, early in his ministry that he was much like Paul in 2 Corinthians 6.10 when he says, sorrowful but ever rejoicing. You could see like Jesus just seemed to be cruising through his trials and troubles, right? But then you go to his last days when he's in the garden and, and he's, he is sweating teardrops, uh, sweating blood, and and he he is just racked with the reality, the heaviness of his trials and his troubles. And and although there there is peace in him, he is heavy with that burden. And I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, as you are heavy with this grief of life that is on you in this temporary time, turn to Jesus. He knows what you are going through. He knows knowledge-wise. He can see all that is happening. But he knows that heaviness. And he's there with you. He's present with you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. So hang on. So back to the alone. So... You know, these guys are, are out there hunting and occasionally they get something that's going to, it looks like it's going to stay in, like they kill an elk, like one person. You're like, oh, they're going to make it now. Or they kill like a musk ox and they're, they're you know, they're skinning and stuff and they're so excited. They're like, they're, 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 it's, I'm going to make it. I'm going to last these days. I'm going to survive. I've got me a beautiful musk ox, you know. And so they, they cut it all up, and it dawns on them pretty quickly, I'm not the only one who likes muskox around here. And so they have to, they have to build uh, something in order to store the, the things that they want so that they can access them when they want them. And so what they do is they, they, they something they call a cache, where they have several trees and they put something up way up high so the animals can't get them. And so they, they, they nearly kill themselves making this, and they put all the stuff up there, all the meat, and, and then they're going to come and get it whenever they, they need it. And so you're like, okay, this is going to be the winner. This guy has everything he needs to survive, or this gal has everything they need to survive this terrible, terrible situation. And then like three episodes, episodes later, you go and you see that there is some kind of varmint that's climbed up the tree and stolen their food. Or they've eaten half of it, and you don't want to eat it anymore. Or, or there's a bear who's come, and he's pulled a rope and knocked the food down. And you go, oh, no, they're not going to make it now. 
And they're so dejected because their hope was what was up there. This kind of reminds us of Matthew, right? Matthew chapter 5 and 6 when it says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where rust and moth and destroy and thieves break and steal. Do not lay up for yourself treasures where, where bears and other rodents can climb up and get them. Don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth. Treasures that you see you have hope in. You feel like, well, I'm going to be okay because of this. Because I have a good income. Because I have some money to fall back on. I'm going to be okay because I have a good wife or a good husband. Or I've got a comfortable home. I'll be okay because I'm clever or because I'm educated. I'm going to be okay. And it doesn't take long until something climbs up there and eats that stuff. You go, what? It's not working like I thought it was going to be. Because if your hope is in the things that you're laying up for this world, you're going to, it's going to fall apart. What you're going to find is they become defiled. They, they come, become broken. They don't last. And they're not, it's, it's funny, like these guys are eating this stuff and they're still not gaining weight. It's not the thing that they really need. They need something else that they don't have. And what Paul, I mean, what Peter is saying to his people, you are the elect exiles. And now those, there are things that have been staved away for you and they are incorruptible. Nothing can get them. That is the living hope that you will always be for you and it will always be there for eternity. It's something that you can access now and it's something that will lead you to eternity with him. So people of God, Know that you have a living hope. You have a, a living hope that doesn't pass away, that is, that is eternal. Verse 10, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves. These are the prophets. They're not serving themselves, but they're serving you, me and you. And the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. And here is the application. That living hope is Jesus Christ. He is, he is set aside for you and me. There is a, there's one guy who seems to be smarter than the rest on this show. He hasn't put stuff up in trees, but he has built this like impenetrable, huge logged, he calls it a crib. And he stuffed the meeting, put a cover over it, and it is solid in there. And so he can... He can go back and he can look inside and see the, that which is the, the, the things that are going to sustain him. And so I encourage you, people of God, to look into the crib of the living hope. Look in there and remember that Jesus Christ has promised you a future. He's promised you a, a present. How do we access, how do we look on Christ? We look on Christ through our words of prayers. We, we stop during the day. And, and our spiritual disciplines aren't just something we check off on a box, but we realize every day I need to go back and I need to pray again and again. And I need to look back into the crib. And I need to see Christ again. 
Say, Lord, I'm heavy again. I'm, I'm worn down. I don't know that I can go another day. And I encourage you, look in the crib. Look in the crib and see Jesus Christ who promised you a future with him, who has called you his elect, who has promised you a homeland. For those, for those who are, are looking for the relief of their burden, spiritual discipline of fellowshipping as the saints, come together and see the goal that God is doing in other people's lives. See how God is working in and amongst us that you might be encouraged. Come and hear the word of God preached again and again so you might buoy your spirits and know that our God, our God loves you and has saved you and has an eternity for you. Look into the crib. Look into the crib with, of living hope. Refresh your mind and encourage your spirit. It wasn't because of your righteousness, but it was his righteousness. He has come. The Holy Spirit is now working you for your sanctification, to make you holy, to be more like him. Hey, exiles. Your home is far away. But you are somebody. I want to tell you, you're somebody. Hey, exiles. Your home is far away. But you are somebody. Because Christ has died for you. And you're going to make it. And you're going to make it with some rejoicing. And some shimmers of gold. Because that's how our God works. So exiles, this week, take a long look into the crib and see the living hope. He's there for you. Holy calling and hostile times. Lord, we thank you for your word that refreshes, ignites, and pacifies our spirits. You definitely are a good God. We thank you for calling sinners like us and giving us new names. And Lord, today we look, we look into the, to the crib and we see the living hope for all eternity. We cannot wait to get home. Lord, satisfy us and, and carry us through Lord, help us not to be overwhelmed by how different sometimes the world feels from who we are called to be. Lord, help us to be faithful. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.